Thank you, choir. Good morning. Scripture reading this morning is from Acts 10, verse 44 through 48. It can also be found on page 895 of the Pew Bible. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. They heard them speaking in other languages and praising God. Peter asked, These people have been have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Surely no one can stop them from being baptized with water, can they? He directed that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited Peter to stay for several days. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Russ, for sharing our scriptures with us this morning. So I think I'm supposed to uh, talk about how we, all of us, are the witnesses of Jesus Christ in this day and age, that our discipleship is still very much alive and existent, and that all the powers bestowed upon the members of the early church are ours to harness and to employ today. And with that power, we can make new disciples. Yep. I mean, I'm, I want to talk about all of that. But I'll be if I don't always get hung up on one little thing and I tried to let it go. No, actually I didn't. I wanted to follow this road. And I just wanted to point something out to you. Something I found really interesting in the scriptures this week. It's Peter. Oh, Peter, you are the most human of all disciples. Um, you're like us. You're at least the one I like to pick on from time to time. But if I'm being honest, Peter is the one I see myself in most of the time. You see, I can relate to Peter because I argue with God. I limit God's powers. I search for just one more way to get out of what I'm supposed to be doing. Because usually what God asks us to do is hard. Or at least I have made it overly hard. And nothing could be more true than it when it comes to making new disciples. We've made it so hard on ourselves. And I'll talk about that. But back to Peter. So you might be asking, what has Peter done to get such a bee in my bonnet? I like that saying. I mean, we heard the scriptures today that Russ shared with us. Seems pretty standard. It's Acts. Luke wrote them. Uh, we've got Peter heavy on the Holy Spirit. Uh, some new Gentile believers were baptized. Life is good, and everybody hangs out for a couple of days. But what you don't know about the entirety of this story is pretty important. And you will hear the story of Acts 10, about the time the Holy Spirit showed up in a big way to reveal God's plan of inclusion. And you might also find that Peter's struggle to accept what God is asking of him tells us something about ourselves and how we often suppress and question the power that God grants us to make new disciples. So, you cannot preach this sermon without hearing Acts 10. 
Okay, you just got the very last lines of this this chapter. So I'm not going to read to you word for word from the scriptures, Acts 10. I, I went and I kind of found a commentary that kind of made it into more of a story form with a few comments, and then I put my spin on it. So this is where we're going. We are told, um, and, and, and in fact, Acts 10 is sometimes referred to as the story of Cornelius. Okay, So we're told of this centurion from the Italian army named Cornelius, and he is a pious and God-fearing person with his entire household. And he was very generous, and people uh, found that he was always praying to God. And this description indicates that he was probably a patron for Jews and non-Jews alike. And he was a practitioner of Jewish faithfulness, though not a full convert to Judaism. Thus, Cornelius had not undergone the traditional Jewish or boundary-crossing ritual of circumcision and it was likely that he did not follow the traditional jewish customs pertaining to clean and unclean food but he is referred to as a god fearer and one day during his afternoon prayers cornelius has a vision in which he sees an angel and this angel says i need you to go find this man they call simon peter he's in the next town over go get him and so Cornelius does just that. After he comes out of this vision, he, he gets three members of his household, and they go in search of Peter over in Joppa. And meanwhile, Peter is hungry. I thought that was kind of a funny detail. He's hungry. He's waiting for lunch. And he goes out to pray, and he is overcome by this truly phenomenal vision. Uh, Peter saw the heavens open, and there was this huge black sheet that came down from the sky, and it was lowered by its four corners. And inside this great big black sheet were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. And then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, For I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. Remember the strict Jewish laws pertaining to food? And then the voice said to him again a second time, You must not make unclean that which God has cleansed. And then this happens three more times. Okay? Suddenly, the sheet was taken back up into heaven, and in short order, The men from Cornelius' household are on their way, and Peter is told to get up, go downstairs, and go with these people that are going to be coming to find you. Go with them without hesitation or distinction, for I have sent them. And while Peter may have wrestled with this up front, Peter obeys, and he ignores any distinctions that he might have otherwise used as a reason to ignore their request And he eventually accompanies them to the home of Cornelius. But before they set out, Peter offers the weary travelers some hospitality. Do you know how radical this is? Jewish people and non-Jewish people, they don't eat together. That wasn't acceptable. Okay? So you're already starting to see how some of these boundaries are starting to dissolve that the outsiders and the insiders, this line between them, is starting to erode away. And many observant Jews within the Christ movement would have wished to maintain 
things the way they were and not in the direction that Peter and God were now going. But once at Cornelius' home, uh, Peter had a chance to speak to him, and it was kind of like everything came together for Peter. He finally got what was going on and what God was trying to tell him. And he proclaims with, with joy, he says, it's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Well, he's doing it everywhere and he's doing it with everyone. And so you see that these, the words of Peter are are really transcending these traditional Jewish boundaries and some of these things that were keeping people from actually being included into the new church. So, Peter starts preaching, and he says everyone who believes in him, in Jesus, receives forgiveness of sins through his name, and before Peter can even finish up his preaching, the Holy Spirit comes down on the members of the household of Cornelius. And the people that Peter brought with him, the circumcised believers, were astounded that even the Holy Spirit could be poured out on the Gentiles. And you understand that this is important because it validates their entrance into the believers of Christ. Cornelius' household entrance into the Christ group was initiated by this boundary-crossing ritual, not of circumcision or, or following food laws, but by the Holy Spirit. Okay? And then Peter says, Do I hear any objections for baptizing these friends with water? They've received the Holy Spirit exactly as we have. Hearing no objections, he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Distinctions between clean and unclean, Jew and Gentile, are superseded now by what God has ordained and indicated openly, that this Gentile, God-fearing household has been fully incorporated into the community of Christ. Isn't that an amazing story? It's interesting that so many commentaries that I have read said that this is the story that we as a church should know about. Of course, we all know and love the story of Pentecost in Acts 2. But this is the story of when God broke through all barriers with the power of the Holy Spirit in an intimate and surprising way For the holy, unexpected outsiders, the Gentiles. And despite some resistance, Peter eventually, he he gets it. Uh, He understood that God plays no favorites. That salvation might have begun with the nation of Israel. But what Jesus' death did was to bring everyone together. And so I applaud you, Peter, because this was so very hard for you to comprehend that God's plan extended beyond your own people and your own customs and, and rituals. You know, I think we can relate to Peter because it's like that with us now. We have a lot of visions in our society, don't we? I mean, we're dealing with the ones that happened today. We're dealing with the ghosts of our past. We're race, 
age, gender, class, education, socioeconomic status, among many others. Oftentimes these things confer very strict boundaries. Sometimes they're just ingrained boundaries, and we struggle to overcome them. And as we've heard in today's story, at first Peter resisted God's directive. Jews and Gentiles together? God, can that be what you really want from me? And remember that vision, the black sheep. I mean, isn't that such an interesting uh, way for God to get his attention? And, and, And Peter objected. He pushed back. But once it sunk in, Peter really did move forward without hesitation. And for goodness sakes, I mean, Peter has this epiphany. God, it doesn't make any difference for you. You know, these things that we worry about, for you, that doesn't matter. That if people love you and are ready to accept you, the door is open. And so this is all fine and good, but right there at the very, very end, Peter's preaching and the Holy Spirit comes along. I'm cringing. Peter says, does anybody have any objections to these people being baptized over here? Oh, no objections? Okay, well, we'll go forward. Now, some commentators say, well, it's a rhetorical question. But come on, it's Peter. He'd already struggled with this whole concept with God and and pushed back three, four times. And so, why did he even ask the question at all? Why not boldly go forward with God's command? Why not ask the outsiders, the Gentiles, if they had any questions? Or give them a voice in that moment? What if Peter had asked the question and gotten a negative reaction from his Judean friends? That would have killed the moment, wouldn't it? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong to critique Peter, and yet I'm not the only one. In her commentary on Acts 10, Amy Linderman Allen writes, There's a difference between these Jewish and Gentile Pentecosts. Peter freely offers baptism to the Jews who receive God's spirit. Yet when faced with a similar experience for Cornelius' household, Peter asks whether anyone can withhold the water for baptizing these people who are different from him. And although Peter's question functions rhetorically, it also serves to test the limitless reach of the resurrection life. The insertion of a presumption that the early believers could or would have withheld water for baptism were it not for the Spirit's intervention serves as a reminder both of our human tendencies to place limits on and fence in the power of God and how much of both Peter and we still have to learn. And in this context, Peter's question could also be read as one last-ditch questioning of the extent of God's plan in this encounter. Last chance. Can anyone think of a reason we should prevent it? They cannot. And here is where I lay judgment aside, because I, I really don't know what Peter was thinking or trying to insinuate in that moment. And I think this story of Acts 10 is so powerful. I mean, it displays the power of God. It, it, it displays, I don't even know if the right word, the, the majesty of the, 
the Holy Spirit in this moment. And yet, there's a very human moment in this story. And it comes with Peter. And I'm a human. And I I connect and deeply understand Peter because I do the same thing too. It's like I'm always looking for like a way out, you know, when it comes to fulfilling God's commands. Commands I understand fully. Things that I'm abundantly aware of. You know, it's kind of like this guy, Jack. He was walking along a very steep cliff and he... um, he accidentally fell over the side. And as he was falling down, miraculously, he was able to, like, grab onto, like, a branch and, and break his fall. But he's just dangling there on the side of this cliff. And when he looks down, to his horror, there's, like, it like, looks like a thousand feet left, you know, in this canyon. And he's thinking, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? We can't hang on to the branch forever. And there was no way for him to climb back up this steep wall of this cliff. And so... Um, he began yelling for help and hoping that somebody, anybody, you know, would come by and help him. Um, maybe lower him a rope or something. Help! Help! Is there anybody, you know, out there? Help! He yelled for a long time, but nobody heard him. And he was about to give up when he heard a voice. Jack. Jack, can you hear me? Yes! Yes, I can hear you. I'm, I'm down here. I can see you, Jack. Are you all right? Yes, but who who are you and where are you? I'm the Lord, Jack. I'm everywhere. The Lord? You mean God? Jack said. That's me. Jack said, God, please, if you, you get me out of this mess, I promise I'll do whatever you say. I'll quit sinning. I'm, I'm going to be a really good person, and I will serve you for the rest of my life. And God said, okay, Jack, easy on the promises. Let's just, you know, get you out of this situation, and, and, and then we can talk. Now, here's what I want you to do, God said. Listen very carefully. I'll do anything, God. I'll do anything, Jack said. Just tell me what to do. Okay. Let go of the branch. What? Jack said, let go of the branch? Yeah, just trust me, God said. Let go. There was a long silence. And finally Jack yelled, Help! Help! Is there anybody else up there? That's Jack. That's Peter. That's me. That's a lot of us. God, I know you told me, but I'm going to look for another answer. You know, I can only speak to my own personal experience, but I live in the margins of my own existence and experience and context. And far too often, I I look to make disciples that look and think like me. If barriers and walls exist, even if I didn't create them, I rarely jump the fence, and I'm even less likely to tear them down and go boldly proclaiming what I know to be true. You know, it, it really is a struggle for us sometimes. Perhaps it's a... It's a problem where we just... We fail to witness to the power of the risen Christ and to, to share with other people the life that he modeled for us. You know, the essence of who Jesus was and the way he lived, challenging and confronting cultural and religious uh, social barriers without fear, such as eating and conversing with, preaching to, healing and saving the outsiders of his day. 
And while we come up short sometimes in our efforts to make disciples, you know, I feel like we cannot get demoralized because we have the story of Cornelius and Peter. And it is our powerful reckoning. It is our other Pentecost. It is the very thing that we need to remember when we start to question if that person across the room or across the street or across the city should hear about Christ. When we find ourselves unsure and uneasy and pinned in by the very real societal barriers that feel out of our control, just stop and remember who is in control, who created this world and its inhabitants. And I want you to remember these words as we wind down here this morning. The words of the theologian Willie James Jennings, who I was reading this week, He said, we see that our world is actually God's world. God is moving, living, fully and freely acting in the world, beloved and cherished. This world matters to God. We matter to God far more than we matter to each other. And so this other story of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon the household of Cornelius, mere Gentiles, outsiders. It proves it. It settles it, and it makes it complete. God made it happen. We don't need to make it any more complicated. God plays no favorites, and neither should we. In the end, for all of our for all of his human shortcomings, Peter does, you know, embrace this concept, and you've got to go further into Acts. You know, this is just the beginning. And I think what he had to grapple with is something that we do as well. God's enormous love for those who desire to know and love God cannot be diminished. No matter how many human barriers we erect to divide us, no matter how hard we make it on ourselves and others, God's love is greater. Jesus' sacrifice is more resounding. And the Holy Spirit's power to motivate and mobilize cannot be contained by mere human constraints. We are the witnesses of this great certainty. And the power to make new disciples comes from God. Not from our insecurities, our prejudices, and our factions. But from this profound truth that Peter boldly proclaimed, he called it the good news. Read Acts this week. Read Acts 10. Peter says, this is the good news. It's God's own truth. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. We know God's intention for making new disciples of his son, Jesus Christ. Now let's start living like we do. Would you join me in prayer? Dear Lord, we have made so very hard what you have made radically simple. Those who love you, who want to know you and follow in your good and gracious ways, they are a part of our family of faith. The things that seem to matter so much to us, they don't matter to you at all. Oh God, let the vast love that you have for your creation 
be the power and impetus we need to make new disciples in your name. Forgive us when we try to sidestep your commands, but give us the courage to love others as you have loved us. Amen.